Welcome to the Palmwood Podcast, part of the teaching ministry of Palmwood Church in Oviedo, Florida, where we love God extravagantly, love people with humility, and mentor others to do the same. Here's Pastor John with an introduction for this week's message. Thanks, David, and welcome back, everyone, to the podcast. We're continuing our series, Know What You Believe, with the next stanza of the historic Apostles' Creed. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. What exactly does it mean that Jesus is our Christ? You know, some people actually think that that's his last name. It's not, it's his title. What does it mean when we say he's the Son of God? And what does it mean when we call him Lord? These are some of the things we dig into in today's message. I hope it draws you closer to him. Gospel of John, chapter 11, starting with verse 17. This is the story of Jesus connecting with Lazarus' sisters after Lazarus has died. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's, that's a great question for us today, too. Do we really believe that? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. That is a statement of faith. That is an incredible statement of faith on Martha's part. And it's true, and it is our theme for today. You know, what, what took place on that Jerusalem Sunday morning that we celebrate as uh, Palm Sunday was a, or is a great illustration for us in this message today. The people lined the streets. You see... They saw something that they had been waiting for for generations. Jesus had told his disciples to go and find the colt of a donkey in a certain area, and they went, and there it was. And, and they obtained it, and they brought it to him. And he got on the back of the donkey and came riding into the holy city of Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, the crowds went wild. People climbed palm trees and tore down palm fronds and started waving them and shouting, Hosanna, 
Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Other people took their cloaks off their backs and laid them on the ground as the donkey was coming into town as if to, to pave the way for this one. And what was happening is the people were seeing one of the prophecies of old about the Messiah coming to life right before their very eyes. And they were exuberant in their celebration, so much so that the Pharisees looked at Jesus and they said, put a stop to this. And Jesus said, well, I could do that, but if I silence the human voices, even the rocks on the side of the road will cry out. It was a direct fulfillment of prophecy. But this declaration of the people, friends, was an empty declaration. And we need to understand that. Because these very same people who were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord on Sunday, were shouting, crucify him, crucify him on Friday. They didn't understand who this king was, who this Messiah was. Jesus, he didn't look like the one they expected. And there's a lot of people today, even in the church friends, who call him Lord. And, and on this celebration, will wave palm branches and they'll remember back historically to the day that he came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And yet while they call him Lord or they, they call him Jesus Christ, in their hearts, they really still don't recognize who he is. And that's part of the reason we're in this particular study right now. We want to know what it is we say we believe so we can base our lives upon it. Let's pray together. Father, as we come into the next stanza of the Apostles' Creed, we start looking at the second person of the Trinity, the Son. Father, we just ask that by your Holy Spirit, you will be our teacher and our guide. You will move everything out of the way that would become an obstacle to understanding the truths that we're going to talk about today and that they would become very, very real with what we've been calling wheelbarrow faith. Father, take us from a place where we give lip service to this creed to these things we say we believe. Take us from a place where we give mental assent and, and we believe in our heads academically what we say. Take us to a place from, from those two things to a place where we live our very lives based upon it, where it is everything to us. And use this time today in your word to move us closer to that destination. We ask this in Jesus' name. We are in the midst of a, a series on knowing what we say we believe, knowing what we believe. Um, my heart in this as a pastor has been to take my own congregation, and God's giving me a platform now because we're doing this over the airwaves or over, over the Internet, to, to touch many other lives, and I'm so grateful for that. But my heart in this as a pastor is to help my congregation and the people that I have influence over as a pastor to move from head faith to heart faith. Um, there's a lot of people who have studied this stuff theologically, and they've got it all worked out in their heads. But somehow there's a disconnect between that and, and their lives. 
the way that they live it out. And so today, when we talk about Jesus, um, my prayer really is that you and I together are going to go a whole lot deeper than we currently are in that relationship. We're using the Apostles' Creed as our framework, although we're actually digging into the Scriptures to explain what the Apostles' Creed says. And the Apostles' Creed today that we're looking at begins with these words, I believe in Jesus Christ. Now, I need to tell you right from the very beginning, and honestly, I don't think this is going to be a surprise for any of the Palmwood folks, but there may be people who are watching either on the live stream right now or later on as this becomes a recording, you're watching it later. For some of you, this might be a surprise. Please don't feel bad if you're surprised by what I'm about to say. It just means that there's more learning about Jesus that you need. But Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is Jesus' royal, heavenly title. It really maybe is better stated, Jesus the Christ. You see, this is so important that the Apostle Paul, as he writes about Jesus in his various letters, uh, which make up a huge portion of the New Testament, as Paul writes in his letters to the various churches and, and people which where we get a lot of our modern theology from, he very rarely calls Jesus simply Jesus. He usually attaches the title to his name, Jesus Christ, or many times he says Christ Jesus. It's his title. The idea that Jesus is the Christ is critical. So what does this mean? Well, Christ is the Greek word equivalent to the Hebrew word, Messiah, the Messiah. Theologian George Eldon Ladd is one of the, the great theologians of our modern era. He writes, the title and concept of Messiah is the most important of all Christological concepts historically, if not theologically, because it became the central way of designating the Christian understanding of Jesus. Think about it. Those of us who are followers of Jesus, what are we called? We're called Christians. We're people of the Christ, people of the Messiah. Christ literally means anointed one. And you can see there, I've listed in the, the, the notes there several different uh, verses, several different references for you. Um, by the way, if you don't have the notes in front of you, uh, if you go to our website, palmwoodchurch.com, go up under resources and come down to the sermon uh, slot, when you click on that, It'll bring up today's sermon, and actually all the sermons previous to that. But in today's sermon, you'll be able to download a PDF of today's notes, and, and they're, they're available for you. Lots and lots of scripture references to undergird what we're saying here today. Christ literally means anointed one. While the Jewish understanding of the person of the Messiah um, would develop more after the, the ministry of the prophets of old was finished, so... The, the rabbis and those that really wrestled with these truths, they developed the, the idea of the personal Messiah, the person who would be the Messiah in those 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament is really where that, that was fully developed. There's still a clear Old Testament foundation in the scriptures themselves of the Messiah and what he would come to accomplish. First of all, we see that he would be the ultimate king who would conquer all other kings of the earth. 1 Samuel 2, verse 10, Psalm 2, verse 2. 
Second of all, he would be the greatest descendant of King David's line. Second Samuel 7, 12 through 17, Psalm 89, 3 and 4, Jeremiah 30, 8 through 10, and Ezekiel 37, 21 through 28. Third, he would be supernaturally endowed by God to rid the earth of all sin and evil, freeing God's people once and for all. Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 7. Isaiah 11, 1 through 5, and again, 9 and 10. Finally, though he would be globally victorious, he would be recognized in all of Jerusalem because of his full gentleness and humility. Zechariah 9, verses 9 and 10. And in that prophecy, it even talks about him coming into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey colt. That's where we get our Palm Sunday story from. That's why the people recognized him as the Messiah and shouted, Hosanna, save us, save us now is what Hosanna means. They shouted that because they saw the one they thought was the Messiah with all the miracles he had done and the authoritative teaching that he had given them over all those first two, three years of his life, uh, adult life as, as a rabbi. As he then came in on the back of the donkey, they immediately made the connection and called him their king. Christ, the Christ, is God's deliverer foretold by the prophets. Isaiah 61.1, Daniel 9, verse 26. I believe in Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah. It is essential, friends, for you and I to come to a fuller understanding of who Jesus is as the Christ, as the anointed one, as the Messiah, so that we will know the fullness of his mission and the vast prophetic foundation, all the, the hundreds, hundreds of prophecies that he personally fulfilled and ultimately the victory that he brings to all those who trust in him. We believe in Jesus Christ. But the creed doesn't stop there. He's also the Son of God. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. John 1.14, John 18, John 3.16, uh, John 1.18, John 3.16, 1 John 4, verse 9. Our God has many children, friends, many children, but only one that's not adopted, <laughs> only one, and that's Jesus. While everyone who trusts in Christ for salvation becomes a child of God, John 1 verse 12 tells us so. Jesus alone shares God's nature. While people redeemed by the blood of Christ share all kinds of things in common with our Father, there are specific attributes that only Jesus shares with God the Father. Jesus shares God's divine nature. In fact, arguably, that is the major purpose for why the Apostle John wrote his gospel. You know, we've got gospels from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and they're all very similar in their story. And then we've got John's gospel, which tells something different. And the main thrust seems to be, or at least one of the main thrusts of his gospel seems to be that he wants to make sure people understand that Jesus has a divine 
nature. Uh, Let's take a look just at the beginning of John's gospel as an illustration of this. John chapter 1, starting with verse 1. In the beginning, John writes, was the Word, capital W, so it's referring to, to something special. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So now the Word is a hymn. You see how John's building this. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. John 1, verse 1 through 5, and then in verse 14, we learn, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word is Jesus. Nothing in creation was made that was not made through Jesus. Jesus, the Word, was with God in the beginning. The, the, the understanding is he was there before the beginning. He was there with God before there was a beginning. Nothing was made that was not made through him. So if we go back to the Genesis account, where it says things like, and God said, let there be light. God's Word going forth that brought about creation is Jesus. He's with God in the beginning. Jesus is eternal. John 1 verse 1. Jesus is unchanging. Same nature of God is divine nature. Hebrews 13 verse 8. And Jesus also shares with God some major attributes that we as human beings do not share. Real quickly, I want to just, we'll look at this quickly, but go to Philippians chapter 2. Paul's letter to the Philippians at chapter 2 says something really important about Jesus. It says, starting with verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. There it is, the, the Messiah. Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. We're going to come back to that phrase. That's important. Taking on the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. The NIV says, made himself nothing. Other translations say he emptied himself. There's this theological idea. It's called kenosis. It's based on a Greek word. But it means that Jesus emptied himself. What did he empty himself of? Well, Jesus, sharing the nature of God, he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Jesus, sharing the nature of God, is omniscient. He knows everything. He's all-knowing. Jesus, sharing the nature of God, is omnipresent. He's everywhere present at the same time. But see, these three things, Jesus had to temporarily put on the shelf, if you will, had to empty himself of, in order to become fully human and accomplish what he had to accomplish on our behalf during his earthly ministry. Jesus admits to his disciples at one point that he's not all-knowing as he's walking the earth. They ask him about some of the stuff in the end times. He goes, only the Father knows those things. I don't know the answer to that. He certainly was not all-powerful. They put him to death. And yet, he still had God's nature. Philippians 2, verses 6 and 8. Revelation 1, verses 9 through 18. Revelation 19, 11 through 16 show us that when he was resurrected and he ascended to the right hand of the Father, he took back his omnipresence. He took back his omniscience. He took back his omnipotence. He is the all-powerful Christ again. Second of all, Jesus shares God's sinless nature. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Hebrews 4.15, 1 Peter 2.22, 1 John 3.5. Jesus is like us as human beings in every way except one. He did not sin. 
Because Jesus shares these attributes with the Father, he and he alone, Jesus alone can pay the penalty for our sin. Isaiah 53 verse 10, John 8 46, 1 Corinthians 15 3, 1 Peter 2 22 through 24, and 3 18. I believe in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, God's only Son. Jesus is the only begotten, not adopted, Son of God. It is essential to come to know Jesus as God's Son so that we come to see both His divine nature and His human nature, and we understand that only He could take away our sins and did that, in fact, on our behalf. But the creed doesn't stop there. (laughs) No, it goes on. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. If Jesus is indeed the long-awaited and prophesied Messiah, if he is indeed the Son of God that shares God's nature, then it makes sense that our response to him would be full surrender as King, as Master, as Lord. Lord is one who owns you, who controls you, who rules you. When we call him Lord, it means that we intend to do everything he tells us to do. In fact, Jesus challenges his audience in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. He looks right at the people around him and he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then don't do what I tell you to do? He calls him on the carpet for it. Jesus has many titles during his earthly ministry, and all of them are titles of lordship. All of them. Rabbi. Yes, it means teacher. But a rabbi was one who was a special kind of teacher. It was someone who had special experience, someone who had special knowledge, someone who had special understanding, and the authority to teach those things to his students. When you came under a rabbi, that rabbi was everything to you. Or how about master? It invokes the whole idea of master-slave relationship. If I'm calling him master, it means I'm surrendered to him. Lord, the one who owns me the one who rules me. Colossians 1, 15 through 20 tells us that the Lord Jesus has all supremacy. There is no one, there is no power anywhere in heaven or on earth that is more supreme than our Jesus. The Lord reigns over all the earth. Zechariah 14, verse 9. There is no part of creation that he is not in charge. The Lord is the one with all the authority. Think about the Great Commission for a moment. Matthew 28, starting with verse 18. Before Jesus steps on the cloud of God's glory all around him that takes him up to the right hand of the Father where he rules and he reigns now for all eternity and Christians with him is what the Bible says. Before all that took place, he stood there on the side of that mountain and he gave what we call the Great Commission to the disciples and to us down through the ages beginning with these words, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. There is no other authority. The Lord is the one who puts down all opposition to our God. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 24 and 25. I believe in Jesus Christ the Messiah, God's only Son, the one who can redeem me, our Lord. Jesus 
is Lord, friends. That's not just something I've recognized in my head. It is someone to whom every day I choose to surrender. Jesus is my king, my liege. Jesus is my master, and I am his servant, his slave. It is essential for all of us to come to know Jesus as Lord so that we come to know the supreme authority and power that he has and that he has both the strength and the ability to make everything right again in the end. And he will. Got a small crowd here in the room, but somebody say amen. (laughs) I believe in Jesus Christ. God's only Son, our Lord. Just like last week, there's so much more that we haven't said. We've barely scratched the surface. But you get the idea, yes? We've got all eternity to get to know him better and more fully. For now, will you agree with me that these three points today, Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ. Jesus is God's only begotten son. We're all his children, but only one of them is not adopted, and it's Jesus, so he can share his nature. And Jesus is Lord of all. These are important for us to believe, not just in our heads, not just theologically and academically, but with what we've been calling wheelbarrow faith. And and if you don't know what I mean by that reference, I I ask you to go back a couple of weeks in the uh, Palmwood Church sermon feed and just look at the introduction to that message, and you'll understand. What we're saying is, this is a faith that we don't just accept with our head, but we base our very lives upon it. It's a faith that we live, not just espouse. Oh, may God help us by his Holy Spirit to believe like this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, simple prayer just like last time. Please make it so. Take us from having our Christianity all in our head to being so deeply rooted with our lives in it that everyone around us sees not just our devotion to you, but sees you in us, in everything we say and everything we do. For it's in the name of our Christ, your Son, our Lord, that we pray. Thanks for joining us for the Palmwood Podcast. If you'd like more information about Palmwood Church and its ministry, see our website at palmwoodchurch.com. Have a blessed day.